listening to The New Paris. I'm your host, Lindsay Tremuda. Talking to strangers is a part of my job. I interview people for work, most of whom I don't know personally in advance, but it's all generally arranged. I know what I'm about to do, and so does the person I'll be speaking with. But approaching strangers on the street to learn bits of their story is something else altogether. That's why I've been fascinated by the work of Stephanie Pfeiffer, a photographer in Paris whose project Les Gueules de Parisien is the result of serendipitous encounters and storytelling. And in a city like Paris, where rules and categories are sacrosanct, Stephanie is a nonconformist in the most refreshing of ways, you'll see. Here we talk about her upbringing, her love for funky fashions, and of course, Les Gueules de Parisien. Welcome, Stephanie. Hello. <laughs> we are on Easter Monday, just to give context as to when we're recording this. You are in full pink. Yes. Got a whole pink thing going on. Um, and you've already been up for much longer than I have doing uh, Easter-related Easter, Easter egg hunt, which is, you know, on a Monday in Paris when it's cold. But we've been doing it inside, though. Not outside. Ah, 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 okay, okay. That makes more I'm sense. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I'm so glad to have you on the show because you and I met uh, not that long ago, actually, last July. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I still think we're quite lucky to have been able to, you know, be out in public yeah. during COVID, right? Um, in a restaurant. So, <laughs> in, a, in a restaurant setting with the door open, of course. But, you know, it was a it was a book event. It was a private breakfast for my book. And, and you were one of the people who signed up to come. And you told me that we have a mutual friend. Yes. So our friend Aaron in New York, which told me that you have spent much time in New York. So why don't you sort of tell me... Um, you know, about your time in the US, why you lived there, what's, you know, how, how long you lived there and, and, and that kind of thing. Sure. So I'm originally from Paris, but it all started when uh, I was in business school. So first year business school in Paris, I had the opportunity to go on exchange. And it was for me, it was the first time I had the opportunity to leave France and I wanted to explore the world and, you know, fly the nest. So I applied for this exchange, which was originally in Philadelphia. And, Which uh, is where I'm from. Yes, exactly. So I remember we talked about <laughs> it. I love Philly. I really love the city. But at the time, I was just like, okay, it's cold enough because I, I really like uh, cold weather. So I looked at it. I was like, this is amazing. I also like boxing. So I was like, yeah, Rocky. Anyway, um, I went <laughs> and I was undergrad and I just fell in love with the um, um, culture around education and the freedom to be who you are. Uh, you know, I was studying business and marketing. And in France, you're very specialized. Uh, after high school even it starts in high school actually you know at 15 you're asked to choose your path for the rest of your life and that's like very um uh, yeah it's like anxiety inducing and so I was like oh my god in the U.S. I can be something else than a marketing student I can study photography so that that's when I started photography and I also applied for non-fiction writing classes even though it was technically uh, not for exchange students, but, you know, I went after a, a class and I talked to the teacher and I was like, you know, I, I really want to learn how to write. And so, you know, for me, it was incredible. And what was also incredible was in France, I grew up and I always dressed a bit weird, <laughs> uh, like uh, French people used to say. And then when I was in the U.S., some people started uh, telling me in the street, like, oh, I love this outfit. You look like Alice in Wonderland or like, oh, you know, you're very quirky. And there's no like 
French word for quirk. He really so I Googled it and I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. So that's I guess when I started falling in love with uh, this culture in the US, which is like you can be whoever you want to be, and that's and you can, and that's cool, you know. So I was like, oh my god, this is great. Um, first exchange, loved it, and then during this exchange, I met uh, the love of my life, who is not American. He's half English, half Australian, but. Mm. Long story short, uh, after a few years of doing long distance, uh, kind of like an accordion, he moved to Paris, I moved to Australia, and then we were not students anymore. So we were like, we have to settle somewhere. We have no more exchange credits. <laughs> and right, right. Um, we decided it would be New York because Alex had the opportunity to uh, work in New York. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I want to go back. <laughs> um, so that's how I, I spent two years in New York. Two years. Okay. Yes. So when did you move back to Paris? I moved back two years ago, actually. Okay. Okay. So, so how do you think, cause you know, two years is long enough already after having been a student there to know like how influential that culture will be on your personality. So mm. when you look back today, how do you think it really has shaped who you are now? Because, you know, when I look at you and obviously the listeners are not going to be seeing you, but they'll see a photo and, you know, but you know, they, they're, they're not going to, get the full picture because when I met you, I was like, <laughs> she, I almost thought you were, you were just not French. Like maybe you were mm. somewhere else in Europe originally and then clearly had lived elsewhere. Like you are a unique, um, as you said, and I wouldn't, I would never use the word weird because I don't think, you know, it's okay. I own it. <laughs> no, no, no. But that's, that's not the word that I think an yeah. American would use. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah. I think that's, that's a very Parisian way of approaching differences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how, how do you think that those, even in Australia, like how did those experiences shape you into who you are? Um, a lot, <laughs> long story short, but I, I think for me, I felt, um, for the first time I felt the, not the freedom to be who I am, because even in Paris, uh, I, I've always been who I am and people would criticize me and I would I would build like a shield and be like, it's okay, I don't care that people criticize me, I'm cool. Uh, but in the US, it was like, wow, people recognize I'm cool. And in Australia as well, it's the same kind of vibe. And so it just allowed me to... Mm, I don't know if it's the right word, but to shine more, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, and to mm -hmm. own kind of my personality and dig a bit deeper as well into, um, I guess, like different aspects of my personalities. Because I guess in France, I was um, only one version of who I am um, because it was yeah. already different. You know, I was uh, kind of different and extravagant. And moving to uh, the U.S., in Australia, it allowed me to explore different aspects of my personality. So, for instance, in Australia, I was doing lots of uh, fitness and CrossFit. So I became kind of a more sporty version of myself. And uh, when I was in New York, that's when I started um, a private Instagram account where I would post my outfits for my mom, mainly. <laughs> because <laughs> my mom would send me some... Uh, clothes and then I would wear them and I'd start this private Instagram account and now I also do it on my main account but it, it took yes, me a do. while yeah it took me a while and as you said it's a very French thing I was a bit scared of what French people would think of me and so you know even with uh, this new I guess new um, expression of my personality in the US I was still a bit scared to bring it back to France and it took me a while to adapt but so I started this Instagram account and then in New York I was kind of like oh how can I play with outfits and that's when I started getting a lot more into DIY and doing my own um, you know earrings or headbands or whatever so it was a very uh, good moment for me to explore and try to expand my outfits and if I may add just one little thing yeah. I had um, a door lady named uh, Marcia at work 
and she is amazing. I hope she listens to uh, this interview. She had the craziest outfit, like crazier than me. And she was very crafty and she would jump in everywhere in the street and take photos. She would climb on the in New York's rooftops because I guess between doormen and door ladies, they have like secret access. So she would do like incredible <laughs> photo shoots. She's amazing. So she inspired me a lot, actually. So now you mentioned just before your mom and I, and because of your Instagram, I've seen you and your mom doing boxing together, you know, so was she the one who really instilled this in you? Did she, yeah. did she have a sort of similar approach yeah. to self-expression? It's very interesting because I think she doesn't, well, she didn't used to, because before, I guess her self-expression was a bit, um, um repressed you know if i can think mm -hmm. so basically mm -hmm. she grew up and in a very kind of a strict environment you know you have to study not to be too extravagant but i think she had this like funky attitude to her and i don't want to brag but i think when i was born and then i grew up i woke up uh, the funky in her and now she's it's beautiful to see her grow into her full expression but i think she always had her added in her but she's the one mm. who taught me steph you don't give a shit <laughs> about yeah, you can say it you can oh, say it <laughs> okay great uh, wasn't sure. uh, you don't give a shit about what other people think like that was my upbringing she was always you know do your thing and also if people criticize you it's just because they're jealous <laughs> so i grew up with this mentality as well and um and it's definitely thanks to my mom <laughs> So before before we get into uh, a project I really want to talk to you about, um, you know, you've, as you said, you've been back for two years and you work with mostly French people at this point, right? So how have, how have uh, Parisians taken to this, you know, more embraced uh, side of your personality? Because, you know, you're taking photos out in the street. Yeah. You're, you know, how... How has the reception been? Do you think do you think in the time so the real question is because I know I know we talked about this when I first met you. Do you think that Paris has changed mm. from when you left enough to get to a point where they see this as you know not something to turn their noses at yeah. or is it still a bit like eh, the French are still a bit <laughs> rigide? Well, it's rigide, but it will always be because it's you know it's France. But I think it's it's improved a lot. Um, I think there are two answers to your question. Work-wise, I think people um, welcome my style a little bit more. Um, also, it's a question of for me, my strategy at work has always been you know if you can quote unquote, prove that you're smart or like, you know, make your point, show that you're serious and you can work, then you can get away with a lot of stuff. So long as it's not like outrageous, I don't turn up naked to work or anything. But, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, but, but this kind of things, uh, I think I manage it pretty well. But I have seen, on the other hand, like French mentalities change. Um, and it, I noticed it actually two days ago, something that would have never happened in France like five years ago. And I think it's, thanks to the new generation as well but i was in the street and uh, i was taking photo i was wearing a huge red dress you know like sort of a wedding dress and i was jumping in the street with a friend who was taking photos and so it's like literally you know it's like it looks like a wedding dress and a group of girls i think they were like probably 15 or 16 ish and they came to me and they said you are so beautiful bravo <laughs> and i was like oh 
thanks. And like, it was the first time it ever happened to me in France. Usually people, they smile, but it's more like smirk, like, oh, ho, 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 like, you know, oh, look at her, like how she dresses. And now it was genuine, like, yeah, you know, keep it up. So I think mentalities have changed. And um, yeah, I can, I can feel it actually. Well, it's true that when I look at what young people are wearing in the streets of Paris today too, you know, they're, they're oh, yeah. really going through this, like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like a, almost a resurgence of eighties where, yeah, yeah. you know, which, which is fun, but also there's, there's some things I'm seeing where I'm just like, wow, I don't, I don't think I would have ever seen this, t you know, 15 years ago here. Yeah. Absolutely. So there is definitely more of a, first of all, it's definitely more casual than it's ever been before. Um, but maybe it's a bit more playful. So that's where, you know, you come in, but, you know, so to get to your project, which it, you know, clearly very much ties to who you are because you have a, um, uh, uh, I mean, as a photographer, you've done a number of projects, but <clears throat> perhaps the most well-known is Les Gueules de Parisien, yeah. which does not translate super, uh, perfectly into English. I know you call it gangsters of Paris, but Les Gueules, I mean, do you want to describe that for people who don't speak French? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so hard to translate, but une gueule is like a mug, a mug shot, you know, it's like yeah, this yeah. idea of someone who's, who's got something who's very special. So for me, it's in French, it's perfect because it, it's used in so many expressions. Like, um, belle gueule, it means like someone who's a, you know, kind of hot. Uh, gueule cassée is how we called people who came back from war. So it's like someone who's had an accident or like, you know, you can see scars on his face, something like this. Uh, you have a gueule d'ange is like really someone who has a baby face. So, you know, and, and of course, gueule de bois is like hangover. <laughs> yes, that's the, um, yes. So, but it's used in a lot of expressions and it's, it's very very vibrant so it's hard to translate but it's the idea that I take photos of people who have this little something special and it's not like mm -hmm. about fashion necessarily because some people say oh do you spot people who have great looks and you know great outfits and I'm like you know you'd be surprised sometimes it's like a completely uh, regular person in the street and you probably wouldn't notice but I see something special so that's mm. what a girl is for me it's someone who has uh, something very special and when our uh, eyes meet there's like chemistry. So, so can you talk maybe a little bit about, um, cause I know, uh, it was exhibited in the, by the Mairie de Paris a bunch of years ago, right? Already. So, so how, when did you start this and what was, you know, was there a particular person you saw that inspired the collection? You mean the collection in the exhibition? Of, of, uh, or, oh, or even just, just like to get okay. you started with the project. Oh, very good. So, you know, I told you I was studying in the US. I was on exchange. And basically the day before I left, uh, I won this camera in a competition. It was a brand new digital camera. And I was like, well, I might as well learn how to use it. And since I can take digital photography, that's what I'll do. And so I took classes and you have like very specific themes every week. And we came to uh, portraits and everybody was taking photos of their friends or their family. But because I was abroad and like far away from home, I couldn't just like call, you know, my mom or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this uh, to like another direction and take photos of strangers. So that's how I hopped on the bus, went to New York. And Humans of New York didn't exist at the time. It was 2012. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, I didn't even think about this. I just met strangers and I was like, can I take a photo? And they were like, yeah, sure. And, you know, and so that's how it started. And then I came back to Paris. And as you said, I was a bit still uh, very 
mindful of the fact that New Yorkers were different from Parisians. And, you know, we can talk about this, but I was like, no, I'm never going to take photos of Parisians. It's not happening. <laughs> and then I was doing this internship at My Little Paris and um. Was, oh, you did? Yes. Okay. And so I was, okay. I was in the sales department, so like completely unrelated. But, you know, I tend to hang out with creative people. And so I was kind of like always upstairs where the writers are. And so I was always like near the writer's room. And I heard uh, Amandine, who's like the editor-in-chief, she's like, you know, we should do like Humans of New York, but in Paris, we too have like great people in the streets. And I said, hey, can I do it? <laughs> and so that's how basically Gueule de Parisien was born. We co-created it together. And um, oh. what happened is that originally Amandine was supposed to write the stories, the captions. Um, but it turns out sometimes, you know, I would see people and I just had to take their photos and Amandine was not next to me. And it's really hard to write about, you know, authentically about a moment that you didn't witness. So then I was like, well, I can try to write you know, captions uh, for the photos. And they're like, okay, let's give it a go. And then it turns out I loved it so much. I think writing the story is my favorite part, to be honest. And that's why I have sometimes, I have a hard time defining myself as a photographer because I'm neither like a, a photographer who's like into the technique or, you know, mm -hmm. like the art of photography. Um, I'm also a poet. And I think for me, the poetry comes from the chemistry of the photo and the text. So I, I also have a hard time putting myself into a box for people to understand what I do. But um, anyway, so that's how Gueule de Parisien was born originally. How fascinating. You know, because what you do, um, and I have a open on my computer, I have um, an article that was written about you in Neon Mag ah! a bunch of years <laughs> ago. Yes. And and it's true. You 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 have someone here. I mean, I'm, I'm even just looking at the first um, example uh, that they took from your Instagram. And it's someone who looks, you know, on the surface as very clean cut, very, um, you know, reserved in a more, you know, classic Parisian way um and and you talk and you tell a story right yeah. um you you say that you knew from looking at her that this woman was probably a model but you know you spotted her from far away and but then you go into into the story so yeah. i'm i'm curious um because also in this in this article which i will put in the show notes just so people can get a sense of how far you've come yeah. but you know you you have really interesting people like people you have kids yeah sometimes in there you have older couples i love you have oh. um uh les de paris you know yeah. you have you know, the cleaning uh, the municipal cleaners you know you, you really have a wide range of people so can you tell me maybe about some of the people who um you know some of the most interesting people you've met and what you learned about them yeah of course um well, one of my favorite uh, encounters, I don't talk about it a lot, actually, in interviews, but it's actually what, probably one of my favorites. It was with a girl called Emily. So she's Swedish. And uh, I spotted her because she was reading a map of Paris, you know, like not Google Maps, like an actual paper. And she looked at and I said, <laughs> can I help you? And she looked at me and she asked me for a good coffee shop. It was near Rue des Martyrs. And I was like, how funny that she's looking for this on the old school map. <laughs> and so I, I was like, sure, you know, let's go together, actually. And I canceled my meetings and I thought she was just fascinating. She's a fashion designer. And we spent two hours uh, without our phones talking about, well, you know, phones and the digital life and all this kind of stuff. And um, I thought it was so such a beautiful moment that we created. And then she had a show the day after at Bus Palladium. 
mm-hmm. which is like an iconic sort of club. And she invited me and it was great. And so, you know, I never saw her again, but sometimes she uh, sees my Instagram. And, and so I think this was, for me, it was a very interesting moment. It proved the power of connecting without our digital device um, and also the power of connecting with a complete stranger and never seeing her again. And it's okay. And it's actually, it's really cool because I feel like, Sometimes today we live in a world where, well, we all know uh, the digital tools and, you know, their effect, but also we tend to over-optimize everything and be productive and we don't leave space for serendipity. Mm. And so I think that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing that this story uh, uh, embodies for me. It's uh, the beauty of serendipity in our life and also sort of this um, beautiful bubble in space and time and poof, and it's over, but it's, it's great. I love that. Now tell me about when you've um, gotten people together who are clearly part of, you know, like uh, they're workers in the street mm. and, and, you know, you, cause you get them to pose. So like, yeah. what is that process like where you, you approach them, you ask them if they want to be involved and then you speak to them and then you get them to pose for the photo. Yeah. So like what, how much time elapses Ooh. when you do that? And you know, like, what is that? What is that process? And it really depends. So it's actually a great question. Cause I took a photo yesterday of a nettoyeur de Paris, l'équipe propreté. So he's cleaning the streets. And, you know, I saw him interacting with a few people in the street. Like, you know, he was laughing. So I thought, oh, he's probably someone I want to take a photo of. So I approached him and I asked him, you know, hey, can I take a photo? And he was reluctant at first. He was really like, oh, but are you going to put it on social media? I'm not very comfortable with that. I'm like, listen, let's do this. I take a photo and I don't post it on social media. I just send it to you because I think you're, you look interesting. You look cool. He's like, oh, really? I'm not shy. So he started laughing and then we chatted for a bit and I was taking photos. And by the end of the conversation, um, it was funny because he said, you can do whatever you want with the photo. You can post it on social media. I don't care. And so it's like this process of creating intimacy with someone in a very short mm. period of time because you can you can tell within the first minute if it's going to be you know, quote unquote, good photo or not, or like a good portrait or not. It's really getting someone's trust. And they have to trust that, you know, you're going to take a good picture of them, but it's a bit more um, intimate than this. They have to trust that, you know, you're a good person, (laughs) sort of. And so it's cool. and, And usually it's kind of like all together. There's no like order or process. Like I ask, I take the photo, I chat. It's like usually I ask, I start chatting. And I'm taking photos whilst I'm chatting and maybe it's a good photo. Maybe I'm like, let's go for another one. And what I really like is usually after the photo, I show um, the person, you know, I'm like, oh, look, you actually look great. And they're most of the time, let's say 90%, uh, they're like, oh, actually, yeah, I do look great. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love because everybody's like, oh, you know, I don't like photos. I don't look good on photos. I'm like, listen, trust me. I make my, I work my magic. You just uh, stay here. <laughs> and so, how do you how do you then capture their story? So, if you're if you're taking the photos, mm. do you note like afterward? Do you immediately go and and like jot down what you remember from what they told you so that it stays fresh? I do. Yeah. Both. So, um, the story is very interesting because, as you've noticed, it's not the story of the person. Like Humans of New York has like a almost like a journalistic approach. He documents people's life and he's really about uh, people's journeys through life. And for me, as I said, it's more like, look at this beautiful moment. So what I do is I always drop down like uh, either a quote or something that I'm like, oh, I know what I'm going to write. You know, this this moment was about this. 
Um, and so I write it down. And well, I try to get a bit more disciplined with this because honestly, it's my weakness. Sometimes I write it down. I don't have a clear process for like, you know, editing and publishing. It's really like, ooh, I go with the flow. So sometimes I lose my notes and I regret it. I'm like, this photo is good, but I forgot what, you know, I, I kind of don't know what I want to say with this photo. Right. But sometimes it's great because I have photos that I leave somewhere in uh, my computer and then I find them again and I see them with a brand new eyes and I'm like, oh, I know what this moment was about. So I do a bit of both. And sometimes, you know, I'm like, okay, stop. I'm in the middle of the street. Everybody's annoyed at this girl who's typing and, you know, like just <laughs> annoying people. Uh, you think they're texting, but sometimes they're writing great stories. So, you know, <laughs> be indulgent. If I, I mean, like, be nice. But anyway, so I'm writing, I'm writing, and I'm like, okay, cool. I've got the story. So it really depends. I always stop to write notes, and sometimes I, you know, it's like, boom, full story right here <laughs> and done. And sometimes it's like a few notes, and I let it rest a bit, <laughs> like, you know, let mm -hmm. it simmer. <laughs> And uh, and then I write the story like years later, <laughs> no, not years, so month, <laughs> month, months later. So what do you look for then? You know, when you talk about this little spark that mm -hmm. you see in people's faces, you know, what when you go out to do this, are you? just sort of like wandering around and then waiting and hoping that there's someone who, who conveys that spark or what is, what is that like? Because I can imagine, you know, as it's sort of like when you're a writer and you're like hunting for a story mm -hmm. or, or trying to force a story that isn't there. Exactly. So let me tell you something. Every time I go, <laughs> every time I go for like a, uh, I go on a photo hunt and stuff, it never works. <laughs> it's horrible. I'm wasting two hours of my time and I feel so disappointed. I think, it's something that's very interesting to manage, I guess, as a, an artist, very generally speaking, whether it's a writer or a photographer, whatever, it's expectations. Because uh, when you set expectations that are too high, usually it doesn't really work. You're disappointed. You know, as you said, like when you're hunting for this perfect person, it doesn't work. And at the same time, you have to have high expectations with your work because you don't want to publish something that's just average. And you have to build the discipline because it's not because... I'm sorry, just because, you know, I don't go out and hunt for people doesn't mean that I don't have my own discipline. So for instance, I never leave a place without my camera ever because, okay. you know, yes. So that's more, the process is more like this. It's more like always be ready. <laughs> you know, I train myself uh, whenever I'm walking in the street. I just, I guess my amygdala is very sensitive. So I'm always like, oh, what's going on? Stimulated by everything. So I, but I train this because I want to see people, um, and so, yeah, you know, never leave my place without my camera. Uh, even if I don't want to take someone's photo, I also try to talk to them because it's also a muscle, you know, learning to how to talk to strangers. So it's more this. Totally. And when I see someone, I know it. Uh, and if I don't have my camera, honestly, I want to chop my head off because I'm stupid. I am very But you know, so extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit extreme. I'm a bit extreme. But you know, I, I hate myself because I'm like, oh no, Steph! Uh, it's horrible for me not trying. But uh, anyway, so it's more this. It's in, and I don't look for people. And I'm very lucky as well. I hang out when I'm not alone. I hang out with people who uh, understand this because it can be so frustrating to walk with me. Like uh, yesterday, I was with my husband. We went for a walk for two hours. I think I spent 45 minutes taking photos of people. And I'm like, oh, sorry, gotta go. <laughs> but he but he clearly knows that this is you know this yeah, is this yeah. is what you get when you're with a creative person isn't he creative a creative as well from what you told me oh he's very creative but as a lawyer so you know it's a different oh wait no type never mind creativity. okay <laughs> 
But uh, he, he's very um, adamant about like, uh, you know, just because I'm a lawyer doesn't mean I'm not creative. And I think he's right. So it's his uh, fight. <laughs> Lawyers are creative. Okay. <laughs> but he embraces your process. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so let me ask you, you know, um, you've collected, well, first of all, how many, how many portraits do you have now? Under your I belt, think I've published for this. about between two and three hundred, and I might have a couple wow. more hundred, uh, you know, <gasps> in my hard drive. Lost, <laughs> yeah. And and you know, do you, well. I'm actually quite curious as to how the very, you know, like the the, the traditional Parisian who's very suspicious when people mm-hmm. approach them, right? How do they respond to you? Like, do you really have to work hard to break the break the ice with them? And what about the older? individuals oh, you yeah. have these beautiful couples who are probably in their 80s you know like how do you how do you get them to agree it's not that hard i was telling someone because i often get messages of great street photographers but they do like um you know not not pose like um what we call in french like photographie volée you know like uh, mm-hmm, so it's like mm-hmm. people they're not asking people they're just taking photos and they're like oh my god i would like to do the same but i'm so scared to ask i'm like you would be surprised people are nice <laughs> even parisians so you know uh, my technique is that i always approach people and i say hey can i uh, take a photo of you and and i don't say anything else uh, i don't say i have this blog or whatever and then people are like wait what why and i say listen i think you look super cool super you know fill in the blank whatever i think about mm-hmm. this person and i have this blog Gueule de Parisien. at this point usually they're, they're laughing and so <laughs> i'd like you to uh, feature on my blog is it okay and people are like oh okay why not and like literally old people it's funny you would think they'd be a bit more suspicious and I'd say maybe like 30% of the time they are, but most of the time they think it's funny. You know, it's like, they don't, they don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> they're like, you can have this five photos, true. 10 photos. I don't care. And they're flattered. They're like, oh, I still have it. You know, <laughs> so, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think th- that it's not that hard. And Parisians, generally speaking, I think again, it has evolved a lot in the past, you know, five, six years. Um, but just a little point that I think is very interesting and can explain why um, we're a bit more protective of our image. But in the US, for instance, if you're in a, a public space, your image doesn't belong to you. So if, if someone takes a photo of you and then they can publish it in, in a book, you are in a public space. In France, it's more tied to the individual, to the person. There is this yes. um, different relationship with your image, um, which I think you know, subconsciously shapes kind of uh, our vision of what it means to have your portrait taken by a photographer. So, but overall, I think it's not that hard. So I encourage everyone to uh, speak to people in the street and take photos, at least to try, because you will be surprised. Hmm. You're absolutely right. I hadn't really thought of it from that angle in terms of you know the legalities of our image and how it's protected, but that's a, that's a very interesting point. It's fascinating. So, so, so to, to sort of wrap this up, I'd love to know, if you have a way, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just still evolving, but what has shooting all these portraits taught you about Parisian life that maybe mm. you didn't realize before? Ah, great question. So, uh, first of all, a couple of things. Uh, we love walking in Paris. And no, it's actually a very important point because why do we dress so well or have this reputation? It's because we walk a lot. So our relationship with um, being in the street and crossing other people's path is is very um, important to us. I noticed this because I was approached by um, the editor-in-chief of a magazine in, in Brazil. 
And we had this project where she wanted to create a guide for Brazilian women who come to Paris, how to dress, you know. And at first I was a bit, um, not suspicious, but, uh, you know, I was wondering what the point was because she was telling me she didn't care about fashion. She just really wanted to give an impression of what real Parisian, Parisians do. And we talked a lot about this and she told me, you know, in Brazil, we have these big cars and big streets and basically you're, you get out of your house, get into your car, get, get where you want to go, do your thing and come home in your car. So, you know, we don't have to walk, for instance. So it's not a problem to wear like super high heels and or you know all this those relationships that are very different and she told me i've been living in paris for a few years and i've noticed how much parisians walk and you know all this stuff i had not realized before and now i do realize like it's true we walk a lot or you know we're on our bikes and it shapes sort of your relationship with your city and the culture of course the second thing i noticed I mean, it's obvious, but it's cafes and being outside and having stores in the streets. This is something in English-speaking countries, it's like uh, pretty rare, except for London. But, you know, in New York, except for Brooklyn, let's say in Manhattan, there aren't really many cafes and people aren't sitting outside and there are no, less little uh, shops and stuff like this. So the culture of life in the streets is very different. Mm. In New York, when you're walking, because maybe you are after all, uh, you're going from point A to point B. And in Paris, when you're walking, you're in a, uh, in a journey. You never know. Maybe there's a little street or maybe there's like this little shop you want to get into. So I think this is also something that's very Parisian and different. Uh, it's like this idea of wandering, of uh, sitting at a cafe, of walking. And it gives us this philosophy that we have of what, you know, what some people call doing nothing, <laughs> you know, just wandering and being at a cafe and chatting. But really, it's not doing nothing. It's like a different way of exploring and living life. Oh, J'adore. Well, what a perfect way! <laughs> what a perfect way to 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 conclude. You know what is a really cool project, and I hope you continue and you you build it further. And um, I will make sure that everyone who's listening can find can find you. Uh, Les Gueules de Parisien will be the link will be in the show notes, and you can follow her on Instagram. So your Instagram accounts, Gueules de Parisien, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see the next set of portraits. Well, thanks for having me and for your great energy. <laughs> That's the show for today. As always, thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing with friends. You can find all previous episodes of the New Paris podcast wherever you stream your podcasts and on World Radio Paris. If you're enjoying these conversations, please consider picking up a copy of the New Paris book or my recent release, The New Parisienne, from your local booksellers. Until next time, à bientôt.